The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. Hi, welcome to the Online Marketing Show. This is your host, Joey Bushnell. Today's special guest is A-list copywriter, Craig Garber. Go to kingofcopy.com to find out more. Craig, thank you for being on the call with me today. Hey, Joey, I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. I know that you're uh, one of a very small, elite group of copywriters who have been endorsed by the late, great Gary Halbert. Uh, and it's taken me a little bit of work to get you on the on the show, Craig. I think it's fair to say that you're not the most accessible of, of people. And I know, you know, I'm aware that your time is very precious. So, Craig, I really appreciate the time that you're giving us today. Today, I wanted to ask you a few questions about your book called How to Make Maximum Money with Minimum Customers, 21 Proven Direct Marketing Strategies That Anyone Can Use. I've got to tell you that this is one of the best direct marketing books I've ever read in my life. And I wanted to discuss some of the techniques that you talk about in your book. Would that be all right? Absolutely. As you know, uh, my wife's from the UK, so it, was, it wasn't too much of a push to, you know, she, <laughs> she egged me on so to come, to come on the call. England's been good to me, put it that way. I'm glad to hear it. So first of all, could you just let us know how you got started in direct marketing? Sure. Uh, it was one of those stories that it's like uh, serendipity, sort of. Um, I was a business owner. I owned a small business. I was a financial planner. And I was like every single other small business out there. I had no clue how to get leads, qualified leads. You know, my, my, the things that I did with the time was I, I would run some ads or do some direct mail. And none of them ever worked. And, you know, I'd sit trying to spend time thinking up, how can I get a cute logo in here? Or how can I get a cute saying? And nothing would ever work. And then I was reduced to, which I really didn't do because I can't stand it. These like networking meetings, which I, I call in the book begging for begging for money. You get a bunch of broke people in there and none of them have any clients and they're all supposed to give each other clients. You know, that's, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, I didn't know anything about business, about generating clients. However, I was very good at what I did, had a high level of integrity and ethics, and um, I was very tenacious. In other words, once I got a hold of a lead, I didn't let them go, and I was able to close or convert most of my prospects that I met with to um, paying clients. On a whim, one day I saw an ad in a trade publication. Again, I was a financial planner, and so I sold uh, life insurance, and I sold, uh, I did financial planning, and I sold um, stocks and mutual funds. And um, I saw an ad in a trade magazine for a life insurance selling system, and I ordered the system, and I got the top level of the system, and because I said if I'm going to do this, let me get as much as I can, and um, thank. God for me, the system didn't work because what happened, but I liked all the concepts that they talked about because it was uh, revolutionary for me that the biggest breakthrough was the fact that this thing explained to me that I could attract clients instead of chasing clients down. And that was um, probably one of the most uh, the biggest reliefs, emo emotional reliefs I've ever had in my life, the thought of not having to chase someone down was great because I hated that. And, and I hated when people did it to me, you know. And um, 
so the concepts in this system are all based on you know emotional direct response marketing and unfortunately the program didn't work but i said fortunately early because if it did i might have been stuck selling life insurance right yeah but i worked with the people who put the program out and they were very receptive and i said hey i would like to change this and is this okay and can you give me some ideas because it was working for lots of people. Just for some reason, it wasn't working for me. I didn't know that it was on purpose because it wasn't my destiny to, be, to, to, to do that. So it forced me to to learn and delve into this more. And once I started looking in, in direct response marketing, I kind of like fell in love with it. You know, I had just it was at a time in my life and a period of my life where I had a window of opportunity to sort of you know assess me and say what do I want to do. And I really just enjoyed this. So. While I was running my financial planning practice during the day, I began studying direct response marketing and emotional uh, copywriting in the evenings. And I was up very, very late at night till, uh, you know, literally two, three, four o'clock every single night. You know, I made this like uh, a cult like passion of mine because I felt that it would take me somewhere. It was just one of those things. And that's why I said it was serendipity. It's one of those things you just sort of follow your, your intuition. And I began studying and studying and studying and, and, um, I started using this stuff and it was working. And, um, a couple of years later, I, I, I found out Gary Halbert. I was living in Fort Lauderdale at the time. I found out Halbert lived in Miami, which is just not far away. And I wrote him a sales letter. And uh, I think I talked a little about this in the book. And I, I wrote him a sales letter and I eventually got a hold of him and, uh, arranged the meeting with him. And then he agreed to mentor me. And I worked with him for six months. And so he sort of put the, 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 the finishing touches on the, the still not finished product, but he gave me, you know, some, uh, a lot of other insight to help me. And he, he launched my career after that. He, he, he saw me. I wrote a few pieces for him and he, um, he said, you're ready to go. You don't need me anymore. And he took me to a seminar and, and basically launched my career as a freelancer after that. And then, um, and shortly after that, I realized that I didn't really want to work with very many clients and I wanted to become a publisher. So I started my own publishing company and, and, uh, you know, here we are, um, 10 years later after the journey began and, um, you know, just haven't released a book. What year was it when all that happened, Craig? Started in uh, 2000, right before the market crashed, at least over here, it was March of 2000. So right before that is when I started getting involved in this and, you know, everybody, uh, everybody sees the end product but it's like i always say you know you see a i'm i'm really into music and you see a band and you say wow they just became famous overnight but you know you don't nobody tells you about all the nights they slept in their van when it was freezing outside and and stuff like that you don't hear that part of the story so people people generally only get to see the end part and that's the most i guess that's the glamorous looking part but uh there's always dues to pay in uh, intuition in between day 1 and you know whenever the end is Cool, that's a, a great journey and you've got to where you are now. Would you say that 19 years is a long or a short space of time to achieve all of this? No, I'd say it's it's uh, uh, long. I'd say you could do it a lot quicker. I mean, you know, I didn't have, you know, I worked with Halbert for six months, but um, I, and I, I, and I talk about some of this in the book, I had a lot of hangups in my head about becoming successful because of, of my background and my, you know, how I grew up as a kid. Um, you know, we had no money and I had kind of screwed up parents. And so I, I think had I not had to deal with that stuff, I would have been successful much earlier, to be 100% honest with you. So I, I would think if someone has the right mind and, um, 
doesn't have all the baggage that I had in my head, they can achieve this in a lot, a lot more, a lot quicker, you know, three or four years, you know, and, uh, if that, you know, if you're in a niche market, you can get it even quicker. I mean, we go and I go into niche markets now every year and, and I'll take out, you know, between a hundred and two hundred thousand dollars out of a niche marketplace in, in, in a six to eight month time. Um, and I'm not even, I, I'm just brand new into that niche. If I had been established there and had more contacts, you know, it could probably double or triple that. So no, I don't, I mean, it, 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 time goes fast, you know, it always goes fast for you, Joey. And the older you get, the faster the time goes. And, uh, I hate to sound like an old man. I'm only 46, but that's, that's the truth. And, uh, you know, it, it, it goes quick. Um, so make the most of it. Okay. So let's speak about the book. One of the things you mentioned in your book, um, you talk about info products. So what exactly is an info product and why can they be a good idea for your business? Okay, so basically I'm going to change the terminology a little bit. You know, oftentimes a lot of success is based on the way you're looking at something. And a lot of times when people throw the word info product around, it sounds easy and people think, oh, yeah, it's uh, ClickBank or something like that. Or, you know, oh, yeah, just get into a niche and publish something. Um, but I, I look at things a little differently. I, I'm, a, I'm a publisher of information. And, and maybe that's the mental game I say with myself. And when it comes down to it, you're selling info products. But success is all about mental games. You know, and for me, if I look at myself as a publisher of information, it allows me to grow each thing I'm doing out as a a long business. When I say long, a business with a front end and a back end and a tail and 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 multiple sales and continuity programs. So, um, as a publisher of information, it's basically you finding out what people want to buy. And, and you can do this in any niche. Now, let me just share with you, there's loads of different ways to become a publisher. Microsoft, Apple, they are publishers, okay? Microsoft publishes software, okay? Apple also publishes hardware, and, and but they also publish software, okay? So publishing can be in many different forms of media, but what you got to realize is that when Microsoft sells you an operating system or, you know, a piece of software, and you're paying four or five hundred bucks for it for an operating system or whatever it costs nowadays, uh, you know, and they're giving it to you in a computer disk that costs, you know, a buck maybe. So the back end of your question is why is it good to be in that business is because it's a huge, huge markup. When I first got in, um, when I first was in this financial uh, uh, life insurance program, I joined a coaching program and, and uh, committed a lot of money to learning as fast as possible. And one of the things that someone said there is, you know, we sold you this information and it cost us about, you know, 25 bucks or whatever it was. And you paid a thousand dollars for it. And I said, wow, that's right. And, and it bothered me because I needed to find out how to do that. You know, I had some early goals of, you know, I said, I got to do that one day and, you know, I'm going to make $30,000 a month. I know I can do it somehow. And, um, that was like an early goal of mine. And we were broke at the time. I mean, we were, <laughs> we were literally broke. So it was, you know, a, a, a big leap. But um, the profit margins are higher in, in an information publishing business than anything else. Simply because, you know, paper and ink doesn't cost a whole hell of a lot. However, the value of it to the people that want it is huge. You know, so they don't mind paying for that. And once you establish yourself as being able to consistently deliver that kind of quality content, you won't be challenged from a pricing standpoint either. Sure. So literally the information is almost free. 
perhaps there's some publishing costs to take into account there as well. Sure. But you could sell that information for as much as the perceived value is, couldn't you? 10 right. to 20 times. I mean, you know, if you have back pain, how much are you going to pay to eliminate that back pain? As much as it takes. Absolutely. You know, I mean, how much, you know, I know you're, you're getting ready to grow your family, right? And when I did that, when I, uh, I didn't know anything about raising kids. Like I said, my parents were nutty as hell. So I ran out and bought a bunch of books on that. And I've still to this day read books about parenting. My kids are, you know, uh, 18, 17 and, and, uh, almost 10. So, you know, that's valuable information that I'll pay a lot of money for because it's important to me. So the trick is not to, most people, when they're thinking about becoming publishers, they think about, well, what can I sell? I don't know much about anything. Well, that's the wrong question. The, the, the right question to ask is, what do people want to buy? And then I need to find out what I need to sell them. Because if people are buying something already, there's an established marketplace. And that's one of the, the early, you know, the common rookie mistake people make. Oh, I don't know anything. I don't feel confident. No one wants to listen to me. It's not about you. It's about what, because you can be an expert on something that nobody's interested in buying stuff on. So the issue is really, you know, what, do you, what what's valuable to others. Okay. And so what would you do then if you didn't consider yourself an expert on anything? Would you go away and research and learn something and become an expert at it? Or would you take something that you do know quite well and publish it anyway, not worry about getting it perfect? How would you get around that, Craig? Well, it depends. Like, okay, I'll, let's, let me use myself as an example, and then I can maybe expand on that. So I'll get into various marketplaces. And I'm a marketing guy, so I go into marketplaces and teach people how to grow their businesses in that sector. Okay? Now, at this point in time, what I typically do is the only thing I'm missing is the industry knowledge. So I'll get a bunch of people to pay me money, less money than it would cost, much less money than it would cost them to hire me individually. And they'll kind of get like a group shared rate. And then I'll go and discuss with them what are the pluses and minuses in their industry and take the applied knowledge I already have about marketing and how to generate leads, quality leads, and how to convert people and, and, and get them to become customers. I'll take that knowledge and apply it to a special industry and create a, you know, a turnkey, typically a turnkey two-step lead generation program. But so that's a situation where you have a knowledge base, you're just applying it across different industries. Now, if I knew nothing about, like, let's say I needed to get into organic gardening. Let me just throw something out there because I, I, I think there's a market for that. There's tons of organic magazines, right? So, um, I would find out, and, and, and that's a broad category. If I was going to go publish a niche on organic gardening, I wouldn't. I'd publish it on, you know, uh, I, I would divide organic gardening into various topics. So I'd divide it into maybe vegetables versus fruits or organic gardening in the south, southern United States or organic gardening in cold climates or organic gardening to, uh, you know, so self-sustain. You know, this, you know do you, are you doing this as a hobby? Are you doing this because you want to, you know, eat Literally. So I would, I would divide this subject into smaller sections and see what people are buying in those various marketplaces and, and what's selling well. Now, most people think, oh, I don't want to do that. I want to go where no one else is. Well, good luck because there's not too many things that haven't been discovered, you know, unless, you know, people think, you know, they want to do something no one else is, has done. Well, you know, there's only going to be so many iPods. And, and iPhones invented, okay? Most people don't do that. They take a fairly stable, fairly mundane marketplace and put a slight 
twist on it either from a marketing standpoint or from a product standpoint. And um, the best way to make money is to is to uh, go into an existing marketplace and and use your marketing mojo to do a better job from a marketing standpoint and and then that allows you to charge more money and then in, in as part of this marketing mojo you want to find some sort of a differential that something about that makes you different than the other guys so to, to go back to say what would i do i would find out what niche i needed to be in based upon where the marketplace was again i'm going like outside i'm backing into this find out what people are buying what i could charge a lot of money for and then i would go learn about it or inter- interview a bunch of people i mean you can go and find five or six experts in that field do interviews get the interviews transcripts transcribed and now you got your interview product the, the problem is that's not a business that's a one up one shot deal sale Okay, so you have to think about what do you want to do? Do you want to grow a business or do you want to grow to have a, a couple of niche products that are that are one shot sales that you're okay with and then just make a bunch of those and so you know you have to find out figure out what you want to do into the big picture like me, I only do things that have continuity um, that afford me to use have a back end and and a leverage all the things I've already done instead of you know reinventing the wheel sure. Craig, what formats do info products come in? I know that books are one of them. Are there any other forms that they come in? Yes, especially today, you know, books, audio CDs, DVDs. Um, I, I've sold all of those and I sell all of those. Um, online, you can do audio seminars, uh, courses, webinars. Um, uh, you can do something of the month club. I have ran over the last five or six years multiple different kinds of monthly coaching programs, whether it's a call people get on or it's a, uh, a pre-recorded call I give. I have friends of mine that do online courses, actually, where they will teach the stuff online, and it's a pre-arranged course, and then they have a like a Q&A, a query, and, and an exam almost uh, preset. Right. So there's... Any way, you know, in today's day and age with technology being so readily accessible and, and evolving so rapidly, anything you can sort of, 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 any way that you can communicate with people is a, I think, an acceptable and valid way of, of doing that. Craig, you have quite a big mailing list, online and offline, and your reputation for your mailing list is very high. I'm on it myself, and I love the emails that you send to me. Um, they keep me engaged, and there's always good content. So I was wondering... How do you gain the trust of those people who are on your database and keep them happy and glad to be subscribed and doing business with you? Okay, that's a, a real important question. Um, basically, everybody, first of all, you have to go into the assumption that everybody's going to distrust you simply because. And if you're lucky, they'll have no opinion of you. They'll be on neutral ground. So you have to have the mindset of, um, I need to make sure that these folks know I'm the real deal and I need to make sure that um, I'm, uh, I, I am focusing really hard on building this relationship. And the way to do that is by, first of all, having a mentality of giving, okay? Um, now, don't get me wrong. Uh, uh, you will hear tons of people saying, oh, I just want to make people happy and I just want to give back. That's a bunch of bullshit. Um, they're in, they're in it to make, you know, I want to, I want to make people happy, but I want to get paid. Okay. That's the, that's the full equation. And that's what it should be. If you're running a business, if you're running a charity, maybe you just want to give and give back. But you know, funny how all those guys who say, I just want to give, I don't see them running charities. Okay. So, um, but what you want to do is one of the best ways to create trust 
and reliability is by being consistent and by doing what you said you're going to do. So, for example, I promise people when they come in that I usually give out four or five email tips a week. So I do. Okay. Now, you don't have to promise that. You could just say I have a weekly tip. But, man, if you're just doing a tip a week, do it. Make sure every Wednesday morning they can rely on what you have to say like clockwork. So consistency is really important because one of the, the, the earliest signs of someone flaking out on you um, in business or personal is something's wrong, something's different, okay? They didn't do this before. Something they said wasn't, didn't make sense, and it's inconsistent behavior is what it is. So be consistent. So if you're a consistent person, that's one of the greatest things you can do to develop trust. Second thing is if if you always do what you said you're going to do. So for example, I rarely have an email that's just pitching something, right? I'm always going to give you some content. I say always, 90% of the time, you're going to get content out of me and then a pitch. You got to realize people are coming to you for information. They don't care that you need to earn a living, okay? The fact that you need to make money is a you problem, not a them problem, okay? But if all you're doing is trying to sell them something, you're making your problems their problems. Irresponsible, people are going to leave. No one cares, okay? That's not how you gain their trust. You gain their trust by being consistent, by doing what you said you're going to do, and by consistently delivering good content. Now, it is impossible that every email you send out is going to make everybody on your list happy. Just the same way that it is impossible that every day of your life you're going to wake up and your wife and your kids are going to be thrilled with you. That doesn't happen in, it, in the real world, and it doesn't happen in business. And most people are okay with that. They don't expect everything out of your mouth to be like, oh, my God, this is just amazing. But they, as long as the most of what you have to say entertains in some way or compels most of the people, you're fine. And, and, and the people that have unrealistic standards, they don't, they're, not, they're not your customers anyway, so it doesn't matter if you disappoint. You also have an offline newsletter that you do, and you recommend this in your book as a good business strategy. So why would people want to do this, and what extra advantages does this bring? Okay, let me tell you that um, that is the, you know, I think I call it the, my secret weapon in the book. It's The chapter is called something like Meet My Secret Weapon or Behind the Scenes of My Secret Weapon, uh -huh. and it really is my secret weapon. Everything st starts and evolves from my offline newsletter. Uh, okay, so let me see if I can give you the, the Cliff Notes version of this because this is a, a whole you know, two-hour call in and of itself. Appreciate that when most people look at email as a good thing because it doesn't, it's free. But, you know, Joey, in life there really is no free. So there's a price to pay. The price is people could delete what you have to say very readily. Now, there, when you have an offline newsletter, and let's forget for a minute whether it's a paid-for subscription like mine or a free lead generator tool to stay in constant communication with people. If you mail something to someone's house and it's interesting, they are not going to throw it away. They may not read it right away, just like when you get a magazine, you don't read it right away, but it's going to sit in the corner of their desk or you know down on their reading chair or wherever they read until they've gotten the time to go through it. So it's going to stick around forever. Then when they read it, 
unlike an email where they got they're they're listening to iTunes, reading email, talking on the phone, and trying to read the daily's news on Google or Yahoo homepage all at the same time. When you send someone this offline letter, it, reading is a very intimate act. It's just you and them. Okay, so probably more than anybody else that that they have a relationship with my my members that that are you know get this newsletter. I'm with them for two or three hours a month alone, just me and them reading the newsletter, right? So to that adds to your last question was how do you gain the trust? You have intimacy, okay? I don't mean like sexual intimacy, of course. I mean intimacy in a relationship, and that's you and them one-on-one, and nobody else gets to have that. So the, the value of the offline newsletter is it creates this intimacy. It's a way for you to stay on on the forefront of their mind. So whether they... Want to buy something from you today or not? You're oh, they're always there. You're always thinking of them, and it offers you opportunities to sell them something, more opportunities to sell them something. So once in a while, with my newsletter, I'll put in an insert, you know, to buy this or that or another product or a, a coaching time with me or or a day of consulting or something like that or another product I, I sell. Um, and you do the same thing in your newsletter with whether it's a paid for newsletter or a free newsletter. You you you. Include stuff in there and remind them why they contacted you in the first place. So you can share things like case studies. Again, I, this is all like in a very expanded chapter in the book. You could talk about case studies of ways you're helping other clients, um, uh, experiences you've had in your business, what's going on out there in the industry. It, 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 it really is important that this is a an extension of you, not a newsletter like, you know, most, I'll pick on financial planners, you know, where they'll sit and talk about the beta and alpha uh, risk factors in the marketplace. Nobody wants to read that ever. They don't want to read it even when they have to read it. Okay, this should be a, a an informative and entertaining newsletter revolving around industry stuff and your personality. And it is literally a giant wallet. It's a magnet that it's a giant magnet that sucks money out of it. I mean every dollar I earn is generated pretty, you know, the lion's share of the money I earn is generated from that newsletter. Great. Okay. I guess you must stand out as well. If you have an online newsletter, people could be swamped and be on about 50 different people's mailing lists, all fighting for attention in their email inbox. But if you're sending an offline newsletter, it really sets you apart, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, And especially, see, and this is where it goes back to what kind of business you want to have. If you're selling a $29 ebook and that's your business, you're not having an offline newsletter. I'll tell you right now. That's a waste of your time. But most people aren't selling that. Most, you know, real businesses have a real business. They have a front end and a back end. So if the value of a customer, even though your front end may be $97, let's say, if the value of each customer of yours is $1,000 a year, and let's say it costs you a dollar to send out a newsletter. And so you're sending, let's say you send out a hundred newsletters every month. So you spend a hundred dollars a month on postage and printing. Okay. Is it likely you're going to convert several of those people to clients over the year? Sure it is. So you spend a hundred bucks a month. That's 1200 bucks a year. You're going to convert more than one of them into clients. So if you convert more than one, it pays for itself. And and no one else is doing this, like you just said. So you're you're beyond standing out. You're you're like on the top of the pedestal. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned the term there, Craig: front end and back end selling. What exactly do you mean by that? Okay, another good question. So the front end 
is is imagine that your business is like a big funnel, all right? And and people typically come into the front end of the funnel and the front end is like how they met with you. So in my business now, the, the lion's share of the people come into my front end today through my book. Okay, they meet me they they meet me from a a business standpoint in in my book. But uh, I talked about go keep on the financial planning track. The front end of a financial planning business is an initial is typically um, uh, an initial consultation of some sort. Okay, so or if you're doing proper lead generation, it's a free report that sells the initial consultation. But the front end of the business is what is the first meeting point and then what's the first piece of business that you get to do together and and these things should not come about like happenstance randomly they should be pre-designed and pre-thought out by you because where they come in the front end matters what happens next which what happens next is the back end okay the back end is is the sale after the sale if you want to call it that so while somebody may come into me from the front end and spend a hundred bucks and buy my book and get the three CDs and the three DVDs, they are generally worth a lot more than a hundred bucks because by the time they come out the back end, they've bought a bunch of other stuff or they've joined a co- coaching program or consulting program or they've bought consulting time or any one of a number of different things. So they come, they start off as a hundred dollar customer, but maybe they wind up as a you know five thousand dollar customer. You also mentioned in the book recurring income. So what are some ways that we can create recurring income? Okay, uh, recurring. Let me tell you how. First of all, I I uh, got into recurring income. Is uh, I spent a lot of years being broke. I mean, dead d- beyond broke. You know, I've, I've had a bankruptcy. Um, just you know, we never had any money, and uh, I work. But yet, I always worked hard, like like most people. You know, um, most people that stick around a long time are working really hard, and uh, so. I I realized that if I wanted to just do more than eat what I kill, if that makes sense. Yeah. If all you have is one, you know, one transaction, then you have to be hunting every day, and that is a lot of pressure, man. A, a ton of pressure. So I decided that I wanted to create streams of income that where like I woke up on the first of the month, I knew with relative certainty how much I'd earn that month. And so I created different kinds of streams of income that are recurring or continuity based. Now here in the States, if you are thinking about doing this, their uh, Visa and MasterCard actually have just really tightened up uh, and become very stringent on these programs and frankly it's for a good reason and the reason is most of the people that do these programs don't give you full disclosure and you know they just start whacking your card and you know you didn't know you're gonna get billed and then when you try to get off they don't stop it so this is a good thing it's like everything else in life it's flushing out all the bad the bad people anyway but you know i'm sure there's some good ones who suffer on the way but um that's just a side note and again this is a whole another conversation but um Uh so I wanted to create multiple streams of income that I knew with that relative certainty I would have X amount of dollars coming in. So um, currently right now we've got a few different programs. I have a my monthly newsletter membership, okay, um, that's $49.95 or $59.95 depending upon whether you live in the States or not. And you get my newsletter and an audio CD of the month. I have a, uh, a, a Mavericks coaching program where it's uh, we get on a phone call once a month. 
um, for an hour and a half, and I will answer all your questions, all the members' questions about their businesses that are on the, that are on that call or that sent their questions in ahead of time. Uh, they get the recordings of the call, and they also get a weekly fax from me. And then I've got a mastermind group that's fourteen ninety seven a month, where we meet three times a year um, here in Tampa, and uh, I have monthly and weekly m- monthly uh, group calls, monthly one on one calls, and they get to email me back and forth on a regular basis for guidance, and I will also I also review all these guys' copy. So it's it's quite a lot that that, and they get the weekly facts as well. And so any one of these components, um, you know, is 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 in itself was would be would justifies the fee for the various members. I mean, not everybody takes advantage of everything. I mean, some guys would be just be like, man, as long as you give me those copy critiques, that's what I care about. Other people will say, you know what, um, I just need to get on that one-on-one call with you once a month. So everybody has a different sort of, you know, value or component, but everybody comes to the meetings three times a year. Almost nobody misses a meeting ever. Yeah. I don't think anybody's ever missed a meeting actually, but, um, you know, so those are the three programs we have right now. But I also had a monthly uh, structured coaching call, which would be a different direct response marketing topic. Um, I did that for about two and a half, three years, and I'm sure there's something else that I'm I'm not remembering. But those are the the, the three programs we have now, and I'll be adapting that to one of the niches that I'm going to be getting into this year as well. So I, I won't get into a business unless there's a continuity component. I'm not sure. interested in, you know working my butt off to get your money once. I, I want to establish an ongoing relationship where you can pay me on a regular basis and I can give you value on a regular basis. Definitely. And, th- and there's several ways you can do that as well. Yeah. And there's right. no right and wrong way, Joey. I mean, anybody listening to this, you know, those are the things I do. But if you got to do what makes the most sense for you financially and, and how you like delivering information. I mean, I'm comfortable on the phone but some people aren't, so maybe they just do something like on a webinar or, or an email or something. But as long as you are delivering value again and again and again, that's the core principle there, isn't it, really? Like I said, you always got to be focused on your on your customer. I know that's not a very popular thing to say nowadays. And and don't get me wrong, I charge a lot of money, but you know, people walking away feeling like, man, that, I, that was incredible what I just got out of that guy. That is like really, really important to me all the time. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think I, I I don't I think I've done a good job of that in 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 everything I've done. Not because I have a big ego, just because I'm willing to work a lot harder at it than most people are. You mentioned about charging. Do you have any tips on how you price your information products, Craig? Yeah, I do. Um, I basically look out in the marketplace and see the highest priced product, similar product, similar deliverable there, and then I charge more money. Because I know two things. Number one, I know my marketing will be better. And number two, I know that my content is going to be better. And I know that the uh, uh, um, the consistency will be stronger. So if I know those three things, why not pay? You know, why not go out there and charge more for it based on that? And and anybody who doesn't want it, that's okay. They're not my customer. I'm only interested in the customers that do want that you know if if getting the cheapest whatever out the cheapest advice let's say that because i'm in the, basically the advice business doesn't really matter what kind of media if getting cheap advice is important to you you're not my customer anyway so mm-hmm. you know m- move on find someone who's willing to give you cheap advice you know I, i've learned in business you know uh in life you really do get what you pay for it but everybody has a different perspective sure do you find your prospects are put off by high prices 
Or do they become even more willing? You know, you get what you pay for, that kind of idea. Um, interesting. We uh, I just spoke with yesterday a new guy in my in my. Let me see if I can find it around here. Uh, I'll pull it up while we're talking. I, I just was talking yeah. to a guy who's a new um, mastermind guy, a new mastermind member of mine, and um, let me pull this up here. I said uh, on the application, it says I always ask people what about me. I mean, there's a lot of people you can work with. I'm just curious. It's two reasons. One, I'm I'm curious, but the second thing is I want to make sure that um, before somebody joins the group, that they have realistic expectations and that whatever the expectations they have, they'll be met. So, you know, if someone says, uh, well, I expect to double my sales in 20 days, you know, well, unless you are willing to do an incredible amount of work in the next 20 days, that's not going to happen. So I, I asked that question for several different reasons, but um, his his particular reason was um, pulling up here. Uh, I like you have the this is this is why me. There are lots of and I put in quotes of gurus out there because that word's always very funny. What was it about me that attracted you? Please be candid. Don't worry about making me feel good or about saying the right answer. Just be honest. This is and he wrote you have the balls to ask for more money than most will pay for. I need that in my employees. So. Um, I, I think the right customers are attracted to whatever message you're, you know, this is very simple. Um, I live on a lake. I go fishing. If I go out there and I put a rubber worm on the end of my hook, I'm going to catch a bass. If I go out there and put a little ball of bread at the end of my hook, I'm going to catch a brim, which is a little, like a sunfish. Okay. Yeah. It's all the bait you put out. If you sure. say that you're priced high, and you're showing why it's justified, you're going to get those people that say, you know what, this guy charges a ton of money, but man, is it worth it. If you say, I'm the cheapest guy in town, you're going to get those people that are dying to pay cheap and say, man, thank God I'm ripping this guy off every day. Or, or this guy sells crap, but it's real cheap, and I'm okay with that. So it all depends on who do you want to build your customers with. I will tell you, in my kind of business, okay, which is the lion's share of it is consulting and, and publishing, I'm not making a hell of a lot of money with a bunch of broke people. And I have no interest in having a, a one-off relationship. So I, I go after the, the, the people that understand and respect that and want to do the same things in their business. See, that's what really people that are smart are saying, man, I want to be able to do that, what this guy does, so let me learn and watch and see what he's doing. So you've made yourself the Ferrari of the information world. <laughs> the Ferrari of the, uh, I don't feel like a Ferrari. I wake up some days and I feel like an old rambler, but uh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. guess you could say that, Joey. Craig, I just wanted to ask you a few tips on copywriting as well. For you, what is copywriting and why is it so important to a business? Okay, um, most people, um, and my sons will tell you, you know, if they say their dad is a copywriter, they think, oh, like he puts the little C at the, here in America, you know, it says copyright and there's like a little C in a circle. He, he puts the little C at the end. No, that's not what a copywriter is. A copywriter is just a person who, who sells, who sells in print. Okay. And, and he puts words on paper or online and he sells words and he puts words together to make them sell something. Okay. And like every other industry and every other business, there's good and bad in, in, in copywriting and in marketing and all that other stuff. But a, a, a good copywriter 
you know, like when most people come to me, Joey, they come to me, you know, my website's kingofcopy.com. So they're come, they come for the copy. But what they soon rapidly learn is that they stick around for the strategy. And, and, and I talk about this in the book. That's why I don't take on many clients because if you're a good copywriter, why the hell would you want to take on clients? Why wouldn't you want to write for yourself if you know how to market? And that's the key, the strategy. I mean, copy will unlock the door, but once you're in the vault, you better know what to do with, with how to scoop up all that money and you do that with your, with your strategy. So people come for copy because they want to learn how to put words on paper the right way and the wrong way to do that. But let me tell you, they stick around, and this is what they should stick around for is the strategy. What should good copywriting include? I know there's a lot of elements involved, but do you have a formula that you would stick to when writing your sales copy? Um, I, I do, and it's, it's pretty lengthy. It's in the book, but let's go over maybe some of the different components of, of, of a quality piece of marketing material, whether it's a sales letter, a lead generation ad, an online or offline, it, it doesn't matter. Or, or even, obviously, you're not going to have all these components, but a Google AdWords is, it involves yeah. copy, okay? So your, your first thing is going to be your headline, right? Now, a headline is, the, the whole purpose of the headline is to attract people and get them curious and interested in what you have to say in the first place. It, it's no different than, you know, when you're going through a, a newspaper or um, you're, you're reading a magazine, you make decisions whether or not you're going to read an article based 100% on two things in, in magazine newspaper, the headline and per perhaps a photo. Well, a sales letter should be no different. So you should have a, 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 a he great headline on the top of every sales message you're putting out there because that's the only way people are going to decide whether or not they want to read it. And, and, and it doesn't matter how good you think you are and, and your own personal ego. No one cares about that stuff, so shove that aside. It's all about what someone else thinks, what your buyers think when they're reading this. So have a good headline out there, and, and, and a good headline is going to be, you know, curiosity. It's going to provoke curiosity, and it's going to have elements of news and self-interest in there. So, like, what's in it for them? And, and, and curiosity plus that self-interest and, and news-like component in there is always going to make a, a, a very good headline, very compelling, and, and people want to hear more. The whole purpose of that is to you know, get them sucked in and, and start the ball rolling. Then after the headline, what's next? Well, you know, you have a, a, an opening line, and, and the most important thing in the opening is to get to the point. You've you got to realize people will approach sales material like they approach conversations. And, you know, you ever meet somebody and you sit and talk to them and like five words out of their mouth, you know that this is about to be the longest 45 seconds of your life, right? Yeah. That's how most sales letters are. They're painful. And, you know, just get to the point and let's get to the cut to the, you know, don't start selling them stuff, but why am I going to be here? You know, don't, if I ask you what time it is, just tell me the time. Don't build me a clock, right? Um, and, and so you want to get to the point rel relatively quickly, explain why they should pay attention here, what's in it for them, and what you're about to do for them. You know, what you're about to share, what kind of information, and how it's going to help the buyer. You know, um, you want to start out with a story, that's fine, but make it a relevant story. You know, I've seen people, because, you know, people get critiques when they buy my products or subscribe to my newsletter, and they send stuff in here, and it's like, it's really painful. Like, 
you know, because they know someone, they read somewhere that they should tell stories. So they'll open up a newsletter and they'll talk about a story about when they were playing baseball in Little League or something like that. And, and they're selling plumbing services. And, you know, knowing if this is a real big stretch, you know, I mean, you just can't do that. Get to the point. Talk If you want to talk about a story, talk about a story about how it led you to become a plumber that, you know, you, you, your, your mom was, uh, uh, your mom made a bad investment on a house and the, it forced you to learn how to become a plumber and, and you learn the hard way or something like that. Make it a relevant story, but, um, you know, open up with something engaging. Again, I always use this analogy. The headline gets, it's, it's like crashing a party. So you want to crash a party. Person opens the door. You got 30 seconds maybe to let them know why they should let you in. All right. They let you in. That means you had a good headline. Now, once you're in there, first things that open your mouth, going to decide what happens. You're going to walk out with a woman in your arms or you're going to walk out with your buddy in a, in a bottle of beer like you came in, okay? So you better be quick and think on your feet and be compelling and interesting and offer something, right? And and that's how the, the, the rest of it should follow after, you know, your opening lines. Sure, okay. Uh, assuming we have got their interest, how do you prove that the things that you're saying are true? And how would you use that proof and social proof in your sales letter? Well, a number of ways that you prove it. Um, first of all, you can use guarantees. Okay. Uh, guarantees prove that what you're saying is is genuine if you have a sincere, strong guarantee. So, like the book, I, I gave. I'm giving a lifetime guarantee on that. Why? Because that's a 360-page manual. If you kept it on the side of your desk the rest of your life and every day did something on one page, you'd make a ton of money. I have no qualms about about that. So the stronger the guarantee you're going to give, the better people will believe you, especially if you give a lifetime guarantee. I mean, that's really putting your money where your mouth is, right? It's like yeah, the, yeah. the Ginsu knife, right? Do they have that over there? I, I'm not sure, to be honest. The Ginsu? Maybe, you know, you're probably a lot younger than me. That They may have had it when you before your time because I know that right. was huge here. Um, but the way to do guarantees, see, most people are afraid of giving guarantees. So let me dispel a couple of the biggest myths about that. Um, first of all, I, I like to be very liberal with my guarantees. I usually try to give multiple guarantees, more than one, um, because I, I genuinely believe in what I'm selling. And if you don't and you're not giving guarantees, there's a problem. Um, why are you selling it is the problem. But most people feel like, well, if I give a guarantee, people are going to take advantage of me. And that's not necessarily true. And let me explain why. Um, you got to realize people that are lazy... Um, you know, they're lazy. They're not, they're not like, you know, if you give a, I guarantee to give, uh, to give a fair, um, let me come out and, um, I did this thing for pest control. Let me come out and, um, it wasn't, we didn't call it an inspection, but I'll, a seven step bug audit or something like that. And, uh, if you feel I've wasted your time, I'll pay you 20 bucks. Well, guess what? Nobody's combing through the phone books looking for guarantees. They're going to call it up. And so they could spend their time having you to go through a, Pest control inspection to get 20 bucks. No one does that. That's not even yeah. realistic. Guarantees aren't for the people that are going to steal from you. The people that are going to steal from you are going to steal from you whether you have a guarantee or not. The guy that wants to go out to dinner for free, right? He's decided to rip that restaurant off when he gets out of the shower and he's putting his pants on, not when he walks in and he gets his bill. He's already ripping you off long before that. So the guarantees aren't to prevent the dishonest people from, from 
you know, they, they're not there for the dishonest people. The guarantees are there for the people that don't know you or they're, they're genuinely on the edge of the fence and you need to give them risk reversal and comfort to move forward with their order. Um, the other thing is if I give a guarantee, I'll lose money and, and that's not true. And, and I'll take you to a quick example. And I, I think I have this whole long, I, I work on the math in this in the book, but you know, let's say your sales doubled and your guarantee, but your guarantees, your returns also doubled because if you gave a really strong guarantee, the bottom line is the net amount of money you're going to make is still so much greater. Even with your guarantees return, the rate of returns doubling, it's not even funny. So the, the fact that you'll lose money or the fact that you'll find, you'll attract people that want to steal from you, those are false myths. They're not true and they're not relevant. You know, I mean, whether you know it or not, you're given a guarantee in everything you do. If so, why not say we're the best Mexican food in London? Because you know what? If or your money, or or we give you your money back. Because if people want to get their money back from at the end of the meal, they're going to do it anyway. So why not make the guarantee, right? Yeah. And uh, the other thing you can do to 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 prove who you are, or to get be believed, is is as you mentioned, social proof. And and there's plenty of ways to do that. Um, testimonials is a very good way of, of uh, giving social proof because what other people have to say about you is far more important than, than what you have to say about yourself. And of course, in a testimonial, you want to include the people's name. The right way to do a testimonial is you give the testimonial, then you say the first and last name and where they live. So, you know, if I was giving someone a testimonial, it would have the testimonial and then it would say Craig Garber, Tampa, Florida. It wouldn't say CG. It wouldn't say Tampa. It wouldn't say Craig dash Florida. It's Craig Garber, Tampa, Florida. Okay. And, and if they're yeah. smart, they'd even put my picture up there. Well, not me because I'm not the best looking guy, but you know, a picture of the person up there or a video or something like that. So testimonials and always be genuine with your testimonials. People, I guess because I'm a writer, especially say, Hey Craig, I loved it. You want not you write the testimonial I'll sign? It. I said, no, you write it because guess what? I don't know how this book, let's say the book, for example, I don't know what it did for you. And what what you got out of it is very likely to be what another one of my buyers is going to get out of it. So I want you to identify with that person, not me. And I want you to write it in your language because I'm not, they're not, you're a regular person just like them. You're not a professional writer. So you do it. So I always get genuine testimonials. I let people say whatever they want, however they feel. And, um, you know, that attracts other people. Another way to become believable is give case studies. Um, how, you know, talk about a story of what this person, where this person was. And this, this isn't for money-making stuff. This is for anything. You're selling, you know, uh, organic gardening. You know, I started with this. My garden looked like crap, and I never could get it going. And I learned these steps, and I implemented it. And sure enough, you know, I had a rough start in the beginning. But, you know, here we are. Eight weeks later, it's in the middle of the growing season. And, you know, I'll pull out a ton of vegetables out of this thing this year. And this stuff really works. You know, it le- so testimonials, case studies, um, scientific measurements specific, you know, we ran these tests and this is what the outcome was, uh, precise numbers, not, you know, 60% or so. No, it's 63.1% or whatever the actual number was, be specific. Mm-hmm. And that, that really adds a ton of credibility to whatever it is you're doing and to whoever it is you're speaking to. Okay. And you do teach to use a PS at the end of your copy. What is that for? Well, the PS is, is the reason why I use a PS is some people are like skimmers, you know, they're going to skim through everything you have. They're not going to sort of like spend a lot of time reading every single word. And uh, you never know who is a skimmer and who's not. So the PS is, is generally the second or third thing that's looked at in a sales letter. Um, a lot of things you can put in a PS. 
Um, you could restate some of the most important benefits of whatever it is you're selling. Um, I like to do that, but I like to do it with sort of like a kick in the gut. I like to put a, I, I like to say something at the end of my letter that leave people feeling absolutely like sick to their stomach if they don't take action. So I like to say something that's going to give them the benefits, but say it in such a way that, you know, you're going to regret this the rest of your life without using those words, because that's meaningless. If you say you're going to regret this the rest of your life. Um, so I like to use a gut wrenching sort of PS that lingers there and sort of eventually hopefully makes them sick. And then they have to come back to take the action I want them to do to resolve their, um, sickness. <laughs> Great. So with all of that in place, we've got a really solid piece of copy. Now, Obviously, there is a lot more, and you will explain in a lot more depth in the book itself, but they are some main components that will really help us out with copywriting. For you, what is a good converting piece of copy? How do you measure that? And when would you decide to make amendments or changes? Well, I always generally try to change things, and you know, um, I look at return on my investment. See, this is another thing that, you know, if you're not, if you're only doing it online, and, and from organic traffic, especially, it's hard to measure. But, you know, I, just, I always look to try to, you know, what's my return on my investment? You know, am I making money on it or not? And, and you always try to improve things. I usually, me personally, online, I usually tend to split test headlines um, and, and sometimes offers. Um, I'll tell you something interesting. We, um, and everything else I leave, uh, pretty much because I'm confident in the copy. I don't, I don't, I'm not, Sitting here after all these years, I've I've written like hundreds of gigs of stuff on my <laughs> just in Word documents. So I'm, I'm I've got a lot of experience. Not that I'm 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 not saying I'm perfect at all, but I'm 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 not testing my copy. I'm testing offers and I'm testing headlines. But uh, give you an example: the offer, the headline, and the offer are the most important thing. So let me give you an example: of the offer. We um we have when someone buys a product from us they have a one time opportunity afterwards to they get two issues of my newsletter they buy two issues and then they'll get three more free so it's buy two get three free and it's 50 bucks a pop so you're getting three issues of newsletters and three CDs absolutely free okay so i was uh we were talking about it today and my daughter was in the room and she's 9 and she's pretty sharp and she said um you know, that sounds like you're giving away an awful lot. Why don't you cut that back and give buy two, get two free? And um, and I love when my kids ask this because, you know, this is like valuable business tidbits that dramatically change your life. And I wish to God someone had been there to give me some of this stuff because I wouldn't be working right now. Um, and I says, you know, it's funny that you say that. We had that and we changed the offer and it has more than doubled the conversion of this more than doubled so your offer and your headline also i've done headline changes that have made an eight to ten times impact but uh your offer and your headlines are going to be the most important thing uh, components of your copy as far as you know percentage wise i'm looking more at return on my investment you know and then i'll like i said i generally test my headlines and then move down to the offers so I, I, I operate a little unconventionally, but I've got a lot of experience doing this. And, and uh, it also comes down to um, the value of your time. You know, how much more do I want to test and, and what the time and effort is it going to take versus having to spend my time making decisions on other stuff that's going to make me money. 
you know, I mean, I like, I'm a big picture guy. I like, I mean, I pay attention to details, but you know, I don't get lost in them. And I, and I think that's important for people to keep in mind, you know, being anal just for the sake of being anal doesn't really help you. Do you have any further tips for success just in general in business and how we can become more successful and more profitable in our businesses? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, I, I had an ad writing workshop last year. We talked about this a little bit. And the, the number one thing I have seen and I have experienced that will determine your success, not just in business, but in anything in life, is the discipline that you have. And, and, and really, that it's in anything. I mean, listen, nothing in life is easy. Um, I've been with my wife 17 years, and that's not easy. You know, you have to work hard at it. You have to be committed to uh, the relationship, and you have to stick to the fundamentals of keeping things going. Um, raising children is, is certainly the same way. You know, you have to be disciplined about your discipline and about your, your, your guidance and the love and care that you're giving them. Um, you, you can't sort of do things on a, a part-time basis. You know, my son was talking to him, my older son, and, and he was trying something. And I said, Nick, you know, you're not going to do well with this because you're not serious about it. I says, have you ever heard of someone becoming casually successful? It doesn't exist. You've got to be super, super disciplined about your business. And if you are disciplined and if you're using the right tools, you know, it's like anything else. You, it, it, you have to use the right tools and you have to think and be smart. But that discipline, man, is so important. It, it is just phenomenal. And, and losing weight, regardless of what you're doing, it's just you've got to be sticking to it and, and hit it on a regular, consistent basis and hit it hard. And if you're not willing to do that, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. If you're not willing to do it and you're honest with yourself, don't go into business for yourself. Do something else where you are going to be disciplined because you're going to be miserable, you know? Yeah. But you, and, and I think Jim Collins uh, might have even quantified discipline as being a, in his book, Good to Great. I listened to the audio CDs a while back and I think he had mentioned something about that in there. And that was the... He was like the modern day Napoleon Hill. He went back and, and interviewed and researched all these modern uh, executives recently, you know, in the last 10, 10 or 15 years, I think it was. Um, and, and that was the, the thing with them. It was, it was the, the discipline that they had. Those are the guys that, that kicked butt and, and made it and, and continued to grow. And, and, you know, it's about, you know, continuing to grow and do stuff with your life. And, and discipline is the, the thing that's going to get you there before anything else. Brilliant. Well, Craig, we're coming to the end of our time now, and I just want to thank you for the time you've spent with me today. Thanks, Joe. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, you're a, a, a super sharp, super nice, uh, up and coming young guy, and I know you'll, you're going to do great. Thank you, Craig. We can only cover so much in an hour together, Craig, uh, but your book covers it all. It actually took me a few weeks to read. It's just packed with content. Well, it's but, a uh, huge the... book, man. It's 360 <laughs> pages. A few weeks is pretty good, Joey. Yeah, it's a big book. And like you said earlier, you might even just find just a couple of pages or an individual page can make massive differences to your business. So I definitely recommend it. And on that note, we'll wrap this up. Thank you to everyone for listening in. And thank you, Craig, for being on the show today. You're welcome, Joe. It was a pleasure uh, talking to you. And uh, I look forward to doing more work with you. The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money.